0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul.
1: And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Me. You and I have had some time to debrief, but not quite everything yet from the shoot we just did in California. Not only was that happening simultaneously while we were on TV, debuting on TV, you've heard us talk (laughs) about it. Almost ad nauseum, and it finally happened. So, while we were debuting, yeah, yeah, yeah. then we were in California shooting two additional cars the uh, uh, M3, so the brand new uh, mm-hmm. F80 M3 competition pack, and the Alfa Romeo competition, Julia Quadrifolio, which was <clears throat> lovely. And got back, had a lot of shooting. And to answer a question from Facebook right off the bat, okay. <laughs> Uh, Good. Who is Good. it here? It's um, Brian Hafer, I think. He's asking about – yeah, it's Brian. He was talking about last week's accident story that you were telling about just oh, the, sure. the little yeah. kind of bump that you got into. What about mine? Brian, I never really have had much, thank God. I did manage to screw up the camera on the alpha shoot. <laughs> I kind of smacked it with a bush, but um, – yeah, we were, we were wondering about that.
0: We, we, got done with, we got done with one of our shoot, shots on this shoot, and we looked at the camera, and Edgar was with us. Edgar's our L.A. shooter. He was with us. We got, we got to taking the camera off the side mount of the car, and it was mounted really low off the nose. And Edgar looks at me, and he goes, this looks canted weird. different." I mean, it seems like it wasn't positioned right from when we started, but we had both looked at the shot and knew the shot was fine. And we just kind of didn't think anything of it because the shot was over and whatever. I'm watching footage later, and I can see the bush coming right on the right on the right on the edge of oh. the frame, it's coming along the edge of the road it's It's a bush that's hanging over the white line, and the camera nailed it and got almost pulled off the car, got like wrenched to the side and that's why Edgar looks at the camera at the end and is like, "Why has the camera looked a little <laughs> candid? Well, that was
1: why Edgar well so, the yeah. camera rig was kind of new, and it was sticking out further than I'm used to and I True. try to you know cut the corner and really tape the take the apex I'm always apexing. We're always thinking that. And so I was just really hot on the inside, and the bush jumped out and smacked the camera. So, all right, whatever. Jumped
0: out. Hardly jumped out. But this was an unbelievable shoot. I mean, both of these cars were – it was one of those things where I kept looking at you, I feel like, every couple of hours and saying, how are big, almost 4,000-pound family sedans able to do – what we're doing with them. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we were hammering down Canyon Roads and having a blast in both those cars. And I felt like, and I'm not going to spoil anything here, but I felt like many things about those cars in comparison to each other were a little bit of a surprise to me. So mm-hmm. I was really glad yeah. we did it. I was glad to be in the Competition Pack F80 M3. We hadn't done that. The one we had in Icon wasn't a compact so it was cool to have that car and to think about it in relation to other m3s it was just a really good shoot the footage is awesome i'm incredibly excited yeah. so that will be the last episode of season one that actually will play on our 13th week mid-june and it will follow on youtube after that it is uh one of our three new episodes for tv thank you guys for all of the response on that being out on tv on saturday we know it was early we thank you for watching it on dvr that does still count uh, Tell friends, tell enemies, honestly. I mean, <laughs> all of it will help us with season two, so we appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and hope you're liking it, Uh, liking the, the first episode as well. And massive thanks to our sponsors as well for helping us get there. We really, really appreciate it.
0: The problem with this disease that we all have, which is, oh, there's mm. another nice car. Oh, there's another nice car. The problem is, and we talk about it all the time, where do you put them? You've got, you've got eventually, if we had no budget limitations, and no storage limitations, we'd all have a ton of cars. But at some point, you end up with, that one has to get parked outside. And you sit there having like, do you roll the dice? Do you have a fight with the wife? Which car gets parked outside? And now the problem is, you've gotta try to protect that car while it sits outside. If If you're where we are in Utah, or you sit
1: somewhere where it's 100 degrees year round, that beats on your car. Absolutely. Well, Covercraft has covers for every car, and we're not talking just a one size fits all kind of thing. These are tailored <laughs> for each model. That on their website yeah. you can find your car, and you even got one for your FRS that had the the cutout for the shark fin yeah. aerial antenna.
0: I mean, this is well. That's the thing They asked here. that question. They asked that question. They said, "Do I have the little, you know, six inch aerial, or do I have the shark fin? Because it's two different
1: covers." Well, so yeah. they're very, being very specific because it fits. And they do all these covers in a variety of fabrics, I've noticed, from the Kimberly-Clark fabrics all the way to you know, lightweight indoor storage. They've got a range mm-hmm. kind of depending on where your car is going to be. Is it, as you said, outside baking in the sun? Is it you know in the snowy <laughs> mountains like, like we are? Where is it? Yeah. And then you can actually tailor not just the car fit, but the kind of fabric too, which is huge. So they've got a range of all these car covers as well as floor mats, dash mats, accessories as well. So they've got you covered with multiple brands all under the Covercraft name.
0: So we have two car debates to cover on this podcast. One is Sean, and the other is our friend Nicholas. But, but the reason I think you've grouped them together, Paul, is because I read both of these. <laughs> and we're having one of those moments where – it feels like you have that friend that comes to you. You know you know what it's like, actually? It's when you get that friend that comes to you and tells you all the reasons they want to date that girl. And they're really not looking for you to go, you know, here's all the things I've heard about her that's terrible. They're looking for you to just go, yeah, I think she's awesome. So both Sean and Nicholas are writing in and essentially saying, I think I found my car. Do you guys agree? What's interesting is that, uh, well... I don't want to ruin Sean's, but I do want to say about Nicholas up front. Nicholas, while I was reading yours, I thought of the car you should buy halfway through your email, and legitimately two paragraphs later, you said that car. So uh, we're on the same (laughs) page there, but let's cover Sean first.
1: Agreed. And what this is doing, I think all of you listening to the podcast has hopefully enabled more critical thinking because you are writing in and you're going through stuff that, you know, we would as well. And, and now you're arriving mm-hmm. at, I've got the list. I've either driven yeah, these yeah. or I've owned these and here's where I'm at. What am I forgetting? Which is great. It's also causing Todd and I to dig really deep in our, uh, in our knowledge and, and jumping in here yeah. for, for choices, but uh, you're right. They also both it kind of involved low tide. Do you notice this? There was a, a another well, common yeah. thread yeah. being woven in to make this the all lotus podcast, which I kind of found funny and interesting too. The budgets, yes, but not but necessarily, it's supportive not like of both of them will lotus, wind up.
0: But <laughs> I agree, and it's not that either of these guys don't don't feel like you can skip ahead because it's not either of these guys are both supposed to be in the lotus. That's not the case here, but they both kind of. Mentioned the Lotus Elise in passing in their email, and then it made me laugh. And then said, "Oh, hi, Todd." Just (laughs) because they know that you get close to the Lotus Elise, and I'm standing there waving the flag for it. So, uh, so that we are going to talk about (laughs) this way, everybody, follow me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I need to buy one of these just so I could say I had one because here I have Piper of
1: Loti. People would be like practically but, around but
0: I've talked I've talked about him forever. The grand irony would be not having one. But uh, anyway, <laughs> exactly. hopefully that will still happen one day. But but Sean writes in and says he's thirty two and he's had seventeen cars. Incredible. Um my friend, you don't have the disease, you have a nearly <laughs> fatal strain. That is <laughs> exactly. that is quite impressive. Um He's had everything from, he says, a 72 Blazer to a 05 Hyundai Accent and about everything you can imagine in between, which means a range of cars. One of his favorites was a 2000 Miata that he loved, but it was the rare Miata money pit. It just it wasn't a good one, and it, it kind of broke his heart a little bit because he liked driving it. When it ran. So we've got a lot of things to talk through here about his current cars and some new options to try to find uh, a great new car for Sean.
1: Absolutely. So he tells us that he always has the itch to get another car. Well, yeah, so do the rest of us. I mean, do you think I've stopped shopping just because I own the GTS? No. I I love it. And I've given myself permission to continue shopping. Not that I'm going to do anything, mind you. I'm just still shopping. We love to shop. It's, I guess, our equivalent yeah, of yeah. You know, going with your wives and girlfriends to the store and, you know, like whatever. I'm going to hide out in the dressing room and, you know, they're shopping and whatever. And that's what we're doing. We're just still shopping. So well, – Yeah, never buying—not necessarily buying, but this this weekend, you and I were sitting at a
0: restaurant with Edgar after the shoot day. We're sitting at a restaurant with Edgar, and a Corvette C7 drove by, and I just kind—I—I will poke fun at myself. I went off on this big soliloquy about all the cars that I could buy for forty-five grand. Yes, never mind. Yes, you never mind the fact that I don't have forty-five grand to spend, mind you. But I just, I saw C7 go by, and it was just this, let me tell you everything I could buy for 45 grand. And then I was done, and, I, and, and, and you looked at me like, well, there's another day at the office. And Edgar looked at me like, these people really are insane. These two guys are <laughs> exactly. just, they're just completely insane. But this is what
1: we do. It's, it's totally fine. I mean, I was unfazed. Of course, this is what we talk about. The other symptom uh-huh. of Sean's disease here is that he can't leave his car's stock, so mm-hmm. he's got a BMW. He's got a 135i that is currently right around 340 horsepower. Wow. So Sounds like fun. Yeah, Sounds like a it does. blast. So he's got this car. He sent in his car requirements, but the reason he's writing is because he's kind of thinking what's next. So he's got this 08 mm-hmm. 135i. He's also got a 2000 Jeep Cherokee project. That apparently sits more than more often than it gets used, but he's got so much time and money and effort put into it that it is going nowhere. Yeah. The Jeep stays, but this tune-modified 135i is sort of this is your your burnt offering here. This is what you're gonna offer up maybe to uh, <laughs> to change out here. And so I look at your list. He's got thirty thousand to spend. He's trying to mm-hmm. cap me really hard at thirty grand, but. Sean, unfortunately, yep. you did write to us, and that was your <laughs> first mistake, my friend. This is
0: this is true. Yes.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> so he says he thinks he's done with BMWs, but the reason he's got this Lotus connection is because he likes small, lightweight, not necessarily super powerful cars. So he doesn't mm-hmm. need 500 horsepower. I mean, 340. He says already too much for the street. I believe you. Sure. So yeah, his list yeah, yeah. here. It's hard to use that. It kind of is. I mean, how many burnouts can you do before you're on to something else, right?
0: Well, you can, you can do many, but it's the problem of, I mean, he's, he's riding from California. And, you know, obviously every time we go to L.A., it's one of the things we're boggled by is because you'll be sitting in traffic behind a 500-horsepower AMG and you just think, what are we doing here? You know, we're, we're creeping mm-hmm. along. Yeah. Well, you and I had, I mean, the, the M3 was 440 horsepower, and the Alpha was 500, <laughs> and we spent a good amount of time creeping along at walking pace. Yeah, we did. So, I mean, if this is, if this is your life, you do start to wonder about, when am I going to use this power? Not that it's not fun, but that's the question. And his 135 has been a commute car, and the commute has pretty much gone away. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. kind of made him go, okay. I, let's get something focused and fun. Let's hopefully return to the things he liked about the Miata without having a car that didn't run. Sadly, and of course, all of these things make him think a lease. So he's thinking, okay, I, that is my front runner. What else should I consider? You've given us options for what you should do. I do think your best option in general is, yeah. You don't like the 135 anymore. Go ahead and sell it. You know you're going to keep your Jeep. So that gives you this money to work with so we can talk options. I also love – I don't know if we've had this before, but Sean sent the list of cars he would like to own but can't afford.
1: Yeah. He, he included part of it with the ones he could afford. It was all in one big list <laughs> exactly. here. You notice this? It's just, just so
0: you know, here's the stuff that's twice my budget that <laughs> yeah. I really wish I could buy. Now let me give you the list of things I could possibly afford, and the Elise is on the higher end of that. But I've got, um, I've got kind of a drive list for you, Sean. I, I see why the Elise is for you, but I've got a drive list for you that I want to cover as well.
1: Oh, I've got a buy list, Sean. But there's a few, th- oh good, few more things the audience needs to know before we jump into these suggestions. First of all, he doesn't really like convertibles. Okay. Again, mm-hmm. as we've discussed, doesn't need tons of power. Not you know all the power on the planet. And he loves light cars. We've covered that. And he also yep. comes to the Mustang, the new GT350, which has just driven him up a wall. He wants one so badly. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. other car that we've mistakenly got him onto is original accurate <laughs> NSXs because yep. of their price. Yep. And I am going to... Continue beating on that drum, so I'll get good, right to it. Good, Thirty grand again. I'm I'm gonna sort of dance around that campfire, and <laughs> I'm gonna do my best, Sean. See how I'm far. Do my best.
0: See how far you can push that math into looking like thirty grand, but not really being thirty grand. I understand
1: exactly. Exactly. Well, Todd is proof. He sends me sub thirty thousand dollar Lotus Elise ads constantly. So I the do. fact that it's it's this is my disease. If you think you can't get an lease for 30 grand, Todd's got loads of links. I mean, he'll just be randomly shopping, back to the shopping part. Uh-huh. And he'll just uh-huh. like, "Oh my gosh, I found another one." And so he is proof that you can find them. You've got to dig and look hard, but that is possible. Yep. And yep. a lease for 30 grand entirely possible, okay? Yep. So,
0: well, definitely, definitely. Start and a decent there. One. Now, I will say I will say Sean, 430 grand what you're probably going to wind up in is an 05. Now, in 06 they changed the seats. They are actually, I mean, we make fun of them, but but the seats are actually a little bit more comfortable in 06 if you can get them. Now, the alternative would be you get an 05 and you maybe upgrade to the Exceed seats which are about $1000. Can you tell I've looked into this? Yes, I have. But most <laughs> oh, of the shit. ones that are available for less than 30 are going to be 05s. Uh, the Otherwise, they're going to be pretty similar. Now, you get farther up, you've got more chance of getting traction control and an LSD and those kind of things. Those aren't really a reality on the 05s. But uh, they also aren't going to be things that are going to keep you from enjoying that car either. So um, just keep that in mind. I mean, obviously, the newer you can go, the better on that. The ones I love are all the 08 and up factory supercharged ones. Those are 35 to 40. So you're going to be looking at the 05s. <laughs> if you, you. you can find an 06, do it.
1: See, I told you, everyone. I told you, I, yeah, living proof. Anyway, but yes, with those I can't seats, stop myself. it's mm-hmm. not like you're getting you know ace bandages wrapped around an old barbecue grill. You know they're decent. You can. It's not like they're super uncomfortable. They're they're,
0: they're fine. They're supr- <laughs> it's fine. not like they're super uncomfortable. The next time you go into a it's bedding like, store, if the salesman <laughs> says it's not like it's super uncomfortable, you know what, don't get that bed. Uh no no I hear you. I mean the thing is the thing is we are spoiled on seats. Uh, uh, yeah. Look, I'll I'll be ridiculous yeah. for a second. After we drove the M three and the uh Alpha this past weekend, I keep teasing it, but it's just so just current it's so on so teasable. Brain.
1: It's very teasable. Yeah.
0: I, I, I got I got back in the FRS today. Both the Alpha and the BMW had fantastic seats, but yeah, I was pleased to get back in the FRS today and just think this car has great seats.
1: It yep. just does. Oh, yeah, it's just it does. got really good it seats does.
0: and a nice driving position for a car that's cheap. So, you know, the thing is we are kind of spoiled for good seats. The the Lotus because it's so tiny, its seats have to be tiny. And so there are people that get in a lease and 10 minutes in they're uncomfortable and it'll never get better. I'm I'm sorry. That's a reality, and the <laughs> yeah. and the O six yeah. and up were better for lumbar support, and and so even though they're still really really thin seats, they are a little better for that. We of course are still talking about small Lotus Elise seats because that
1: platform is so small to begin with. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, back to it here. I started with the Elise, and then keeping in your mind in mind your budget here, I'm I'm really trying to respect it hard, but I did find you a 1991 NSX in Atlanta, Georgia,
0: mm, really for, for
1: $33, nine. Okay. I figured
0: it was out. Wow, okay. All right. I'm it's, impressed you found one that's that close. I thought they were all going to be above his budget.
1: Mostly they are. I went searching on nsxprime.com on the forums, and of course there's a lot of well-loved, very low mileage, you know, enthusiast cars, but they're asking 10 sure, grand more sure. than that for Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, the same. So this one I found was 103,000 miles, black on black. Original owner, I believe all the records and all the maintenance, all the stuff. There's no reason not to buy this car. One hundred and three thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right, you could theoretically get an NSX for about thirty grand. All right. Mm-hmm. So moving on, two more here. Well, one and my I haven't had a sniper shot in a while, Ooh, but okay. I've got one today. Move on to the MX Five RF, so the Mazda retractable fastback. The problem with sure, that is sure. they start at thirty one five, and so those are just mm-hmm. outside your budget mm-hmm. because you don't like convertibles. And I thought, even though it technically is, it's mostly a hard top, and it's the MX five platform yeah. that we love. So it's the target. Yeah. Uh huh. Interesting Definitely. to think about, but I am—I can barely contain myself. I've got to get right to this. Okay, please, please. Keeping in mind, you don't like to leave cars stock which tells me you like to work on mm-hmm. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the commute went away. I'm I went to Kit Cars. And I went to our friend, Ooh. the Factory 5818. Ooh. Okay. We All haven't right. talked about this yeah. for a long time. Now, I haven't yeah. priced them out to be honest, and if you want to keep the price down, you're going to have to build one yourself. You're going to have to do most of the wrenching True. yourself. True, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they still might have their SEMA show car available for sale if you walk in with, you know, hey, I want to buy that car. Mm, Interesting, yeah, because this is something you could theoretically keep modifying, keep wrenching on, keep working on. It is very unique, very different. Yeah. It checks all the boxes of lightweight, not tons of power, all those True. things. It's very much scratches the itch in a different way but the itch is never going to okay. go away. It'll just be slightly dulled, and and, and yeah. it ebbs yeah, yeah. and flows. But eight one eight, Todd, you and okay. I were talking about this for me for a while, and I, of course, went we Cayman were. again. We but yeah, I, it's shocking, uh-huh. it still yeah. intrigues me. And so well, I thought kit cars. After all this stuff, and there's good ones, there's bad mm-hmm. ones. Factory fives way up at, up at the top. So what about an eight one eight? Go check these things out. That is.
0: No, I think that's a great one because the thing I hadn't thought about in that, but I really see, I see your, your uh, thinking there, because the thing about the 818 is under the, under the skin, you've got uh, WRX drivetrain. Right. So right. think about how much modding capability is out there. How much of a modification and customization world is there is for the WRX STI? All exactly. of exactly. If you right. want to make it, if you want to have it be the 240 horsepower version, fine. If you want to have it be the 400 horsepower version, you're modifying a WRX or an STI. Right. There's so right. much information out about there. There, it's crazy. That's what and makes that it so car it intriguing. Is, yeah. Yeah, going to be crazy fast too and and very unique and lightweight. I like that you went there. That's cool. I have kind of a drive list because I, I, look, I want I want to kind of close the Elise circle real quick with Sean and just say He says three or four times in this email, after we get past the paragraph singing the praises of the GT350 he can't afford, then he goes (laughs) into a new section, okay, the new stanzas that are just about the Elise, and he keeps going, I've thought about this, I've thought about that car, I've thought about this other car, but I keep coming back to the Elise. Mm -hmm. Sean, there's a part of me that thinks you're going to need to own this car just because otherwise it's going to continue to be that thing you haven't quite done yet. It's the girl that got away, and you just don't know if you'll like it. Let's just say for sake of argument, you buy the lease, and six months from now, it's just not right. You just are kind of hating it. But then you know. If you're trading up cars as fast as you clearly are, there's a part of me that just says, at some point, if it's not this car right now, at some point in the future, you need to get – you're kind of like me in this regard. You need to get an lease so you can say, I've really owned that, and I know what it's like. Yeah, So right, maybe right. that's right now. But I, even if you don't get in elise lease this round, I think it's clear because of the um, number of times you circle back to that car that you're going to need to get one just to, just to solve that. Otherwise, I think it's always going to bug you. So I will say that. Um, but I'm going to give you a drive list because there's other cars I think I, you right? need to drive that you haven't driven. One of the surprises for me here from you is that you liked your Miata, which you also say multiple times. And then you say, I don't want a convertible.
1: Right, I, I, I don't.
0: I don't mean to be that guy, but Sean, you know the Miata is a convertible, right? Um, it was a car you liked with the. And by the way, the Elise uh, really doesn't have a top either. I, I'm just. I'm just making this little observation here. Uh, so as a result, I have two convertibles. I think you need to drive. I know you're not a convertible guy. I'm not a convertible guy. Two you must drive. Have you driven the NC MX5 with a hardtop? You have 30 grand. You could get the nicest one on the planet for 20 and have money left over to play with it. That's
1: true. That's true. That, I the hardtop I forgot about for that yes. car.
0: Right. Yes. The retractable hardtop on the NC Miata. Let's say you get one. I'm just throwing it out. Mm. But let's say you get one for 15 to 18 grand. And then you just start playing with it and you turn it into whatever you want to make it. Come on, man. I think uh, that's, that's a real serious consideration. So I think you need to drive that. Another c- convertible you simply have to drive. If you haven't driven it, you must drive it. Forget that it's a convertible. The S2000. Please drive that car. I got in Edgar's again this past weekend, and every time I get the chance to drive an S2000, I just get out and go, that's a great, great car. And it is, in many ways, the half-price Elise lease. The, the way that it feels in many ways and the compromises that it requires and the fact that you've got to wind the engine out, all these things are the same thing as the Elise. It's just a car that's running about half the cost. So give an S2000 a drive because that's really <laughs> worth it.
1: The, uh, the third underhanded sly tie-in that I kind of did with these two emails, these two guys, is that Nick, our Next Car Debate, he actually owns a Honda S2000 mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. already modded and specifically for autocross, yep. and it's for sale. So just I did notice this. Saying that's sort of the third tie-in there, Sean. He's selling one. I if did you notice
0: this, have Sean. A flicker if you, yeah. of
1: interest. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Nicholas
1: might might have a might have a car for
0: you. That's very true. I did notice that as well. But you but honestly, before you go a lease, you at least need to drive those two cars. Of course we are dancing around the fact that the 86 platform exists as well you're saying power is not important you want driving experience you like things about the elise yeah, you want driving yeah. fun usability uh, modding scene the 86 platform all day long for that mm-hmm. it just it that that's everything you're talking about it isn't as special as the elise but of course here i am talking uh, here i am a guy that desperately wants an elise i could afford an frs so you know this yeah, is the world wow. we're talking about Um, So that's out there. Um, And then, look, it's the usual suspect. I have to bring it up. For $20,000, you could get yourself a Cayman. Now, that's not really a car that you buy and you do a lot of modding to. You can, but it's not really what happens with most people that buy a Cayman. So I think you need to try to drive one of those as well. It is, this is a weird mix here, but imagine taking an Elise and running it through a, uh, a Volkswagen GTI flavoring to make it more usable. Yeah. That's yeah. what the Cayman is. You know, it's a much more usable, better in, seriously. It's got a big helping of GTI on the top. That's what we're talking <laughs> exactly. about. Exactly. So go drive the Cayman because it's the much more usable Elise in many, many ways. Uh, I think that's worth it. I, there, uh, having said all of that, I still think you're going to have to own a lease at some point because it is a car of your obsession, and we get that, and there's no way to solve the obsession other than go get yourself one.
1: I'm dreaming about NSXs for 33.9 now. See what you did, Sean? Got us all I know. flustered and bothered it's, again. It's it's terrible. Look, the the internet and
0: car <laughs> lust is one of the worst things to happen to me. It really is. I just randomly wind up just looking. I will think of a car and be like, I "Wonder what those are running." And and five <laughs> exactly. minutes later, I'm L- I'm elbow deep in research on that car, and, you're and then sold. I, I have to kind of step away. You, oh yes, you justified of course it I am. You're
1: Sold on one. Mm-hmm. Hey, I told you that the the first Cayman that I own is now for sale, currently for sale by the guy who bought it from me. He's asking twenty six seven fifty for an 'O seven mm-hmm. Cayman S, fifty two thousand miles, not a problem. I'm thrilled to hear that, and he upgraded yeah, to a GT four. Yeah. So I'll put it out there again: Cayman for. A lot yeah, less, seriously. and uh, and a nice one, yeah. I mean, the mm-hmm. thought crossed my mind. I told you this last time. What if I
0: bought that <laughs> no. back?
1: Huh. I know. What if I don't know? All- too bad that garage? money doesn't exist. What would that be yeah. like? Huh? Yeah. Anyway, it's um, it's dangerous. So we'll just have to it continue is. with Nicholas. Sean, thank you so much for writing in. We hope that helps, but probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> well, but but but
0: it, it here's the thing. He's asking kind of permission for should I go get an lease and everything about his story kind of says I think you need an lease. I you know, I mean I know we've spent 10 minutes on it, but just to wind up there, but we kind of wanted to walk you guys through the story as well and I think I think it's a car that's just going to haunt you. I do.
1: <laughs> the car that haunts you. Yikes. I mean, You're going to have to own not, it
0: then. Not in a Stephen King novel No, way. but I'm it not haunts your that, dreams but, and haunts yeah, your bank account exactly. and everything it else. Keeps showing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, Nick. Well, thank you so much for writing in. As I mentioned before, Nicholas is south of Boston, about 45 minutes, and owns a Honda S2000 that Matt Farah did a one-take on. <laughs> so if you want to see <laughs> yep. that, go search for that red Honda S2000 there, currently modded, yep. light mods. He's had the Miata. He's had a Fiesta ST. Ah, uh, gosh. Currently owns the Subaru Impreza and is also mm-hmm. writing in and pretty much asking for permission to buy the next car. I think you need yes. to give yourself yes. permission because you, you've you named the greatest hits that we love, the driver's cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, as both these guys rattle off cars and things that interest them in – you know things that interest them as far as driving dynamics and fun cars, I think about – what future offerings are coming that we know about from car manufacturers. Mm. And it Mm. seems pretty limited. It seems like car manufacturers are just still not really feeding this. They're not giving us the next S2000 yet. They're not giving us the Mm -hmm. Supra yet. All these things that we're wishing and waiting and hoping for because a lot of these greatest hits are 10 years old already.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're, all... they're products we talked about it a lot, they're all products that are really hard to justify.
1: You know, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna yeah. sell
0: however many million middle of the road straight laced family sedans, and we could maybe sell a few thousand focused sports cars a year, it doesn't take long for the accountants and the lawyers and the CEOs to go, you know what, we're not making the sports car. I, I, I get it from a business perspective. Right. right. It, it's frustrating for me as an enthusiast, but thankfully we do have some really good used options right now. I mean, there's some great stuff that he's already owned. In fact, he even took the Focus ST off of his own list because he's owned the Fiesta ST and enjoyed it. But uh, And even he even uh, his acknowledgement to me here is, is that a friend has a, a lease that uh, they are kind of co-racing. So Nick has regular access to an lease, so that's not on his list. And He just kind of waves at my lease interest as he passes. Uh, <laughs> but but exactly. hey, you're driving one regularly, and I'm not, so kudos to you on that. Um, but he's shopping for a... Four-door, five-seat, fun-to-drive, good-handling car. Mm-hmm. And he's been yeah. seeking those out. That is his primary list. So we're we're leaving two doors. We're going to four doors. He drove that uh, Mazda Speed 3 that we all really like. He liked a lot of that. He thought the interior was okay. And, again, that's a dated yeah. car at this point. He yeah. liked it. He drove a Performance Pack, uh, the 7th the Gen, the latest Gen GTI. Really liked it with Performance Pack. Really didn't like it without Performance Pack. He was thinking about all of these, and then he, I'm reading this email. I, I wish you were there with me, because I was reading this email, and I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I'm thinking about cars for Nick, and I'm thinking about, okay, twenty, twenty-five grand, and I'm reading the hot hatchbacks. I'm going, I see why you like that, and I'm thinking, and I thought, you know, I wonder if I should recommend an Evo X to Nick, <laughs> and in the next paragraph, yeah. he says, and then I drove an e- Evo X, and I think that's my car. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> Great.
1: <laughs> I I am in agreement because you've had top contenders here. You've got cars that tick all the boxes, but out of your budget. By the way, I don't know if we mentioned the budget is twenty-five thousand, so it's actually yeah. twenty, but with the Paul limiter, yeah. it's twenty-five. Yeah. So we'll just stick with twenty-five. Yeah, cars you've ruled out, the top contenders. And if you were forced to buy a car today, it's the Evo ten, the Evo X, which is Mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. 10 years old as far as if you think about where the design had progressed and where it was conceived and when they were
0: developing it the yeah. cycle yeah, yeah, yeah. where mm-hmm. we're at,
1: it's call it a 10 year old car I mean not all of the mm-hmm. models that you'll buy right now are 10 years old but as Certainly. a design but as development a platform wise. Oh, development yeah. wise 10 years old so that's perfectly okay I, I love mm-hmm. that and yes I think if you're already there I say why not I just as we were talking I thought of One other car that might be intriguing to you if you're willing to go older. Because with 25 grand, you can get the world's nicest E36 M3 four door. Realize that they will be reliable if you keep on top of maintenance, but for 25 grand, you could find a great one. And if it has to be four Mm. doors, that is one of the originals, as we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not the Evo 10 frantic craziness. It isn't. But I'm just wondering. I mean, we see such high miles examples of those cars and they mm-hmm. really still are fun to drive. So, okay, something to consider. I'm putting it out there as a a weird older we're looking back I, yeah, I don't know yeah, how appealing yeah, yeah. that is to you. I, I'm not sure how appealing it is to me either. But I just thought of those cars, and for 25 grand, that would buy the planet's nicest E36 M3 right now. I mean, that's <laughs> be a 20-year-old car, yeah. but mm-hmm. okay. I mean, mm-hmm. we see them with really high miles, 160,000. So True. if you got one to a 40, 50, True. something like that, it would be unique. And it would check off this box about something special because it would be something you don't see all the time and uh, kind of different. So I'm yeah I'm definitely leaning cool. towards the the Evo. I'm back in your play there. I'm I'm all for it. But yeah, you're right in the sweet spot of greatest hits cars and you've yeah. owned so many of them that and you he's just, driven a lot of them
0: too. And you've yeah. driven
1: a lot of them and so this is your white whale. If you don't own this, it's going to kind of bug yeah. you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and he, I... he took off the E90.
0: I mean, we would have gone for the E90. He actually took that off. He drove one. He's concerned about his budget is going to mean really high mileage, and it's, he's worried about it scaring him. A couple of things that really struck me here that I think you have walked yourself to this, Nick, and may not have realized it, is first off, you said, as soon as you said you drove the Evo X and how much you loved it, then your next sentence is literally amazing seats, surprisingly roomy back seat, and pathetic trunk. Mm -hmm. And then you said, and I also don't think the shifter and clutch are that great. If I were going to list for you pros and cons of the Evo, that's pretty much the two sentences I'd use. The fact that you know these things to be true, you've acknowledged them, and you still think it's the car for you, that's where I kind of go, okay, the issues that you're having, you even talked about the interior has to be better than a 96 Subaru. <laughs> well, the hard. Evo X does accomplish <laughs> that, by the way. And, and, and that is not a good interior, and yet it still does trump that Subaru. So the thing is, the, the problems with the Evo, and it is no, in no way a perfect car, the problems with the Evo, though, are things that are not issues for you. So that makes me go, okay, you're a unique buyer where all of the things to love about the Evo, you will love completely. And the downside, you're going to be like, yeah I don't care. Mm-hmm. So if you could get yeah. an MR, where you now get, because you even said you'd be up for the dual clutch. If you can get an MR, you also talked about this, isn't going to be a big track car because you track your friend's Elise. The problem with the MR transmission <laughs> is beating on it on the track so you can get away from the bad clutch and shifter, you can get away from that. You aren't worried about the interior. It's got plenty of back seat room for the needs that you have for your family. The but small trunk doesn't bother you. All the the downsides are not issues for you. I think the Evo is key here. I really really like it. And the question you asked yourself that put me right there fully was you said, "Should I get a used Evo or for the same money get a brand new base GTI?" Well, You drove the base GTI, and you didn't think it was very much fun. Mm -hmm. Problem solved. Go used Evo. And we have a few people that have written in to the show that have had Evos, and one in particular that's been a longtime follower of the show, he made a comment where he said, owning an Evo has been cheaper than owning a 3 Series as far as maintenance. No kidding. I'm glad to hear that. I think
1: Evo. Well, so, uh, Nick, send a photo of the car that you buy, of the Evo that you're going to buy when you do. And uh, <laughs> and the we'll S2000 you're selling for Sean. Yes, yes. Sean, <laughs> S- S2000 for sale. I'm telling you, I I would love this to happen. Pink slips, everybody. Let's trade the pink slips. It's going to happen at some
0: point. It's going to happen, happen at some point for sure. Yep, yep.
1: All right. Well, tons of questions as usual here. So let's jump right to it. Uh refreshing the page once again because they continue to come in okay. so thank you guys really this is uh it's I a had, lot of fun to read these <laughs> even if we can't is. get to them it all is. it's a lot of fun to read these and just get mm-hmm. things going here <laughs> just we
0: get great ones every time i wanted to start with michael uh devitro uh he wrote in on facebook i almost wanted to bring this up earlier because we're talking about cars that you really want and of course the cayman came up and all this kind of stuff i want to roundabout answer your question michael you said you have do we worry about our friends and co-workers and neighbors what car they own does it affect what car we buy and Mm. in your specific situation you said your wife really wants a four-door jeep wrangler you have a toyota tacoma already if you guys bought a four-door jeep wrangler your garage would now be tacoma and four-door jeep and next door to you your neighbors have a tacoma and a four-door jeep And you're having so much trouble going, can I have the exact same garage as my (laughs) neighbor? And so you're asking us, does that bother us? And I will say right up front, yeah, it does. I'll give you a personal example. We were sitting around talking about cars this weekend. Again, I was telling you about talking about cars with Paul and Edgar this weekend. And Edgar said, hang on a minute. Because Edgar has really looked seriously at Caymans. And, of course, he has an S2000 right now that he loves. Yeah, yeah. He, said, why, he said, Todd, why don't I ever hear you talk about buying a Cayman? Which is a great <laughs> question. And the, and the honest answer is because Paul has one. That's the truth hmm. of it. It's hmm. an amazing car. I have so few things about the Cayman that I could say are wrong. There really are very few, if any. But why would I buy the exact same car as Paul owns and drives? Because it's not like I drive his car daily, but I can drive his car. I have yeah, access yeah, to it. Yeah. So, the fa- so the idea of having another version of the exact same car I could already drive, I just, I'm sitting here going, not only for me personally, but because whatever car I have, Paul's going to drive. What are we going to do? Go up in the the canyons and trade Caymans? That doesn't make any sense. So Paul's going to drive it. So that's imagine? the other thing about it. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like also for the you guys for the show and
1: saying, I'll trade bites with you. Why? Yeah, exactly. Hey, what? we
0: should share. Why? Why are why? we doing that? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you've heard me before talk about how it would be really hard for me to have two of the same brand in my garage. That's less of an issue here. It's the fact that if I have access to a Cayman, why buy a Cayman? If this bugs you, Michael, if you want to branch out, I think that is a perfectly valid reality, especially if you have access to drive your neighbor's cars. Hmm. Okay. However, in defense of your wife, I will say this. <clears throat> I'm just going to say this. What if you get her that four-door Jeep Wrangler that she really wants and you sell your Tacoma and you get something else? Oh. I'm just saying. Because That's then two cars, though.
1: You, uh. Yes,
0: but 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 what I, but what I'm hearing is what I'm hearing is Michael saying my wife she who must be obeyed really wants a four-door Wrangler. So mm. I'm saying Michael, mm. solve that problem. Ford you want a four-door Wrangler babe, here it is. Awesome. However, I want to get rid of my Tacoma and get a blank. That's a mm. worthwhile conversation. I'm just saying. And then your garage doesn't match, but she still gets the car she really wants, and you can try something new. So that's my solve.
1: (laughs) So the solution here, if I read this right, is don't just buy one, double down, and get two new cars. I like it. Well, but but
0: new to you, they don't have to be new new cars, but new to you. No, I mean here's the thing within a six month period, my wife and I went from a GMC Acadia and a Saab nine two X. In a six month period we went to a Cayenne and an FRS. Now that wasn't yeah. really our like we didn't go into that calendar you're gonna be like we should trade both cars, but it was just a progression of the nine two X was getting old, my wife was sick of the Acadia, and look where we wound up. But we're thrilled. So that's mm-hmm. why I think that's the case.
1: Mm. All right. Well, Joshua Jackson writes to us about used cars and uh, purchasing them. And which is more important here, the miles or the age of the vehicle relating specifically to reliability? And his example here is an 07 Cayman with, say, 25,000 miles mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. a 2010 with 75,000 miles. I think it just kind of depends on uh, the pre purchase inspection, Joshua. It's it's your own personal sense if it's, you know, is. Is Mm -hmm. the car being purchased from a used car dealer or is it an individual owner? There's a lot of things to weigh here. There's a lot of maintenance that comes into picture. Uh, You know, the original owner, higher miles, but they've really, really maintained it versus 25,000 miles and you're not really sure where the car came from. And in some cases, you know, I I feel like the car should be driven to keep fluids going, to keep things moving around and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, wary of high miles, but high miles can also just mean cruising, interstate, freeway kinds of cruising, which is not a bad thing either. So you, mm-hmm. there's not really one answer here. I would say that is across the board all the time. Never buy old cars with, you know, low miles or whatever. Not necessarily, but you know, cars that sit, seals can dry out. You know, fuel in the gas tank can go bad. All those kinds sure, of things. Sure. Sure tires flat spotting you know brakes even plastics and rubber you know they start to de- deteriorate so yeah, you've yeah. got to take that in, into consideration but if it's been used and things are constantly being you know fluids move through the system all that kind of stuff i like i said it just kind of depends you're going to have to use your best judgment on where the car came from and who's got the maintenance records and what's been done to it and all that kind of stuff because yeah. i will say in some cases buying a pretty late model car with higher miles not a bad thing it's just i agree uh, no okay the, all right
0: yeah the history history i would say invariably history and ownership style is more important than mileage yeah. I, I would almost yeah. say you can apply that across the board now sometimes if you're buying used you can't find that information out if you can find out the history of the car i always think that is more important because then you at least can see okay here's how it's been treated and what's been done and so that is, I mean, every car is going to need stuff eventually. That's how it's going to wear out. But having that reality. I want to speak to the two you brought up, though. I will say this keep this in mind. If you bought the older Cayman with the fewer miles, starting in '09, they revised that Cayman. It became mm-hmm. the 0.2. Right, right. So the 2010 would be the revised one. And the 2010 with the revised one is now completely out of any IMS issues. So if you're a person that was going to spend 1,502 grand to get the IMS thing solved, Okay, you aren't going to have to on the newer one. That's one part. Then on the counterpoint... The 2010 you're talking about is at 75,000 miles, which means within the first year of ownership, you're going to have to do the 80,000 mile service, which is a big boy on Porsches. So that's going to be plugs and brakes and everything. So that's going to almost be the same cost, almost, as getting the IMS fixed on the old one. So you've got to weigh your realities. My point there is if you're buying, if you're debating between two versions of a car, I would also look into has some sort of problem been fixed in the newer variation? that now I don't have to worry about, that can be a factor as
1: well. And that justifies your higher mileage, and therefore, okay, fine. Yeah, go for it.
0: Yeah, it could um, be. And I'm not saying – I mean, it's going to it's gonna depend car to car. We're not encyclopedic about this reality, but those are out there that you can look it up.
1: Eric Johnson also had a question about our favorite stock steering wheels. And, Eric, I'm coming away with Alpha being one of my new favorites. I mm. really loved that steering wheel. It was a slightly smaller diameter – And Mm -hmm. had, I think I counted, at least five different materials that went into the construction. Tons. Tons, Not to mention the steel ring upon which it's based. At least five different materials that this wheel was made out of. The design, the styling. Of course, I love the Porsche 918, that steering wheel and how it's trickled down and migrated to all the rest of the Porsche cars. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that Mm -hmm. design, of course. But that Alpha wheel was just It's jewelry. It's the centerpiece as it should be, but man, carbon fiber, Alcantara, leather, some aluminum, plastics, of course, the steel rim. I mean, it was quite lovely. I have to say, I kept looking down and going, wow, this is a piece. This is really nice. It was
0: a it was a gorgeous it was a gorgeous steering wheel in the Julia Quadrifolio. It really was. I'm glad you put that one out there because I agree with that. The nine eighteen's a good one. I hadn't I hadn't landed on that, but that's a good one. I was thinking about uh uh cheaper end cars and you know you can go as simple as something like the Lotus Elise which is a very all business steering wheel but a great one mm-hmm, but you know yeah. what for a long time the stock wheels from the Subaru WRX's and STIs have been really good i mean and that yep. i even had one on yeah. my 92x it was a Momo steering wheel that they had adapted and put an airbag in and that kind of stuff oh, and right, those were right. great wheels those have all been really good and there's a similar steering wheel to that in the FRS right now that's also really good. I mean, I typically like ones that are smaller diameter and have got nice, nice handholds at the nine and three, and they're just they're shaped properly to be a driver's steering wheel. Right. And there's right. a lot of a lot of ones that fall into that. And the Alpha was absolutely that. But you know, Lotus FRS, those STI Subarus, they're they're all in that category, and they're great.
1: All right. What else here? I'm cruising around looking at everything.
0: I had one from uh, P.D. Muir on uh, Instagram asked about Audi S models. He made the comment that we don't often talk about them, and he thinks they're kind of awesome. He's kind of drooling at them from afar, and so he's saying, "Is this a good idea, or is there a reason we don't bring them up?" Hmm. The thing about the S models are this: they are they are fantastic cars. They are really good cars. Generally, the S versions of Audis. I'm trying to figure out how to describe this. It's, they have the same problem because they're they're a Volkswagen product. They have the same problem for me personally. Now I'm only talking about myself. They have the same problem that the GTI does or the golf R does where I'm going to stay with the golf R. It's a great performance model. You put it against the equivalent performance model of somebody else. It's not quite as fun to drive taken alone. Very fun. Taken with the competition, sure. the competition is often more fun and the Audi is a little more refined. <laughs> is that why a bad thing? we're always thing? pitting
1: cars against each other and driving exactly. them back to back.
0: But, but is that a bad thing? It depends entirely on your usage. If, if you're using it to commute in or do long grand touring kind of drives, get the S Audi. Do that. You will love that car. If you're hucking it down a canyon road, the S does well, but I can think of cars I'd recommend over that. So it's really going to come down a lot to usage. Because S3, 4, 6, even the, the S5 we drove years back, the S5, first gen S5, turns my head every time I see one. And they're great to drive.
1: Yeah, they but are. But they don't they come really up are. a lot
0: of times because there are cars that if you're really chasing just the tactility, I know that's an odd word for me to bring up all of a sudden, but that kind of tactile sense of how it relates to the driver, they're a bit muted compared to some others
1: they've really added the luxurious flavor and a bit of the isolation that Lexus is known for even though the Lexus mm. IS is really quite great i mean it's it's hard to just assail that for only luxury anymore but i would say the Audis are really adding in the luxury element to pull in buyers that wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards you know BMW as a brand something like that so you can't mm. lump in the Germans all together as you know, the sharpest driver-focused cars or the only just the highway-cruising, Autobahn-chewing, you know, high-speed cars. I'd say Audi is somewhere between Mercedes and BMW in terms of luxury and enthusiast qualities. I agree. Because they do offer some stick shifts. You know, Mercedes doesn't. BMW generally does. Audi's somewhere in the middle, and depending on the model, depending on the specs... They kind of go back and forth. Sometimes they compete, as you said, with the S3 over here. Brilliant car. Loads of fun. Mm -hmm. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, they gravitate towards the high end, too. They're not necessarily known for one thing or the other. You know, BMW is, you know, we are performance driving. Mercedes is rarely suggested because so many of you ask for automatic or for manual transmissions rather than automatic transmissions we love mm, mercedes and especially what they're doing right now and i'm always yeah, kind of yeah. hunting for those opportunities recently we had one for the new c class hunting for opportunities to recommend them because we're just coming away impressed but then we mm-hmm. say you know we think all right okay so it's an automatic transmission will this check the boxes of every enthusiast not necessarily you've got to be you know they're looking for kind of a certain buyer and that's yeah. that's fine um so yeah i i feel like there's somewhere Somewhere kind of down the middle. Um, It's a good description. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I liked Cars and Comments, their comment on here. about (laughs) Whenever it comes to movies, I always like dicing it up here about uh, movie car chases. What two cars would we choose to be in a movie car chase? And what roads would we stage it on? I mean, this is endless blue sky question here, of course. Sure. I'm just kind Uh of thinking about electric cars and, you know, somewhere – I don't know, maybe city driving, but letting electric cars really, you know, really let them run. Something like that. Hmm. I, I don't know. That Has that sounds done? like some,
0: some movie of the future is where you're dealing with. In fact,
1: I Not saw my bit. first, I don't
0: even think I mentioned this to you, Edgar and I were in the car together. I saw my first Chevy Bolt in the wild when we were in L.A., Oh yeah, I passed it. Like, oh I meant gosh, to point it out. Bullet. I'm glad yeah. you saw that. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It was interesting to see that. Well that that would be the modern version of the bullet movie, is to do the all-electric car chase. It would be the Tesla versus the I'm not sure. You'd probably get the, the, the what is it, the RIMAC or something? You know, you'd have the what is the <laughs> yeah. um, the crazy fast fast oh, electric car. Yeah. I could see no, that. That's I could good. see that for sure.
1: But I think um, part yeah, of it would get... involve being silent and and having to avoid detection not just mm. pure car chase, flat-out speed, but something about, you know, you've got to avoid detection, and part of the chase involves you've got to get through this one area without, you know, making any noise. Because you're an electric car, you can. If you weren't a <laughs> Hellcat, of course you could. You know, something yeah. like that. Something a I little bit different.
0: I see that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I th- that's funny because, of course, I think I think uh, we're not surprised. I think the opposite category. I think it would be fun <laughs> To do, it obviously depend entirely. I'm going to go screenwriter here. Depend entirely on plot. What are we dealing with? But the fun standpoint from a from a drama perspective would be to have cars that couldn't be more different. So you have the Hellcat on one end. You've got you've got the bad guys on the, in the Hellcat, and the of good course. guys <laughs> in something like an Elise or a Mini or a Miata or something like that. And then you put it in a setting where you've got benefits to both, okay? Where the let's just, just go with a Miata real quick. The Miata is <laughs> the Hellcat's all over it. Anytime it straightens out, but the Miata can fit places and do a turn on a dime and, you know, handbrake turn and spin around a pole and off it is the other way and the Hellcat's going, My turning radius is terrible. That kind <laughs> right, of stuff. Right. You could you could play out that scene for a while and keep kind of playing off each other and that could i just think about it in terms of the drama like that i would like to see that i'd love to see the the protagonist in some sort of little small underdog car and the antagonist in something that's a big bruiser you could even go like uh, gtr some big bruiser with a ton of power that might not fit down some of the things that the little car can do that would be
1: fun <laughs> welcome to fast and furious 29 or whatever the franchise has to keep going. Can, it does. Well, yeah. There, the, the, who
0: thought – when they made that first movie, who would have ever thought that there were going to be ten of those? I know there's been only been eight so far, but they've got them mapped out for ten, ten of those films. And you would have never guessed that when the first one came out. That's just <laughs>
1: insane. You remember after that first one came out, we did probably the stupidest thing imaginable was we got out of a late movie – and then mm-hmm. we were with two other guys and decided amongst the four of us to take these two hot cars and go on a late night canyon run. Just it was awesome. inspired out of the, it was awesome. It turned yeah. out to be awesome and it's still seared into my memory. But it was just so well, like it was, You know what we was, should do after watching this
0: movie? <laughs> here's the thing. Let's just call the two cars out. One was my 300ZX and it was a road yep. that we knew. And plus, we were driving it at night, so we could see lights long before anybody else got to it. True. One was a 300ZX. Not and cliffs, the other though. was a. <laughs> For, yeah, well, no, but the, but the here's how you know where the cliff is. If you go through that barrier, barrier, you're going to be airborne. So it's just going to be
1: fine. That's But that. it was
0: it was you you and I started driving, and the passengers were these other two guys. But the other car was yeah. a, a original <laughs> Z three clown shoe, and we <laughs> hammered shoe. up this road that yeah, you and I, I both knew. We hammered up it. You and I both drove up, and I remember to this day the passengers were not okay with our driving. They were both <laughs> mostly terrified for huge yeah. sections of that drive. We got to the top, and you and I both kind of climbed out and looked at each other and smiled, and the passengers were kind of standing there going, okay, so that's over. And then they they swapped in for the drive down. The drive down was slower, if memory serves. It but was we had
1: relaxing fun- in comparison, <laughs> if I remember. Yeah, I yeah. just, wow, just saying that first first movie, it made such an impression on me. I was just, yeah... Well,
0: those movies have been around long enough that we have entire audience members that grew up on that series. That's true. So that's what's shocking about that group. Did you see uh, Esgrad's comment on uh, Instagram? I wanted to touch on this very briefly. He said he wants to do the Nürburgring trip with us. How does he do that? I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, Go to our website, everydaydriver.com. Go to the Adventures tab. You can submit your email. We are building a list of people we're going to give more information to. We have actually – we do know the dates. The dates this year will be in the first week of September around – Around, uh, Labor Day week. That is when it's going to happen. We don't have final pricing or registration up yet because we're waiting on final pricing from our partners at the track in Germany. But that is coming soon. So there's nothing else for you to do other right now other than just put your email in. We are sending more information as soon as it drops, and that'll be in the next few weeks.
1: Yep, agreed. And, uh, you know, as we've said before, if you park your car outside, make sure you've got it covered with Covercraft products. I mean, they've all kinds of different fabrics and they're custom fit. So if it's that Evo that we're talking about for Nick, you know, Nick, you're gonna get an Evo. So get a car cover <laughs> for it if from Covercraft, yes. if you park it outside. Keep that thing nice. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just saying, I've I've been there, I've done that, I I know, and they work. So go for it.
0: That's good. That's good. Did you see, speaking of cars outside that are uh, questionable, uh, did you see Bryce's question on Facebook? It's an either-or question. It's a it's a pick-your-poison question. I have an answer, Bryce. Let's say we have to pick one of the following to drive around for an entire week.
1: Oh, Bryce. Oh, I'm reading um, it now. Oh, why the did Murano, you have
0: to? Oh. The Murano convertible or the PT Cruiser convertible.
1: Why did you um, have to do this to us?
0: Um, yeah, I just, this, this really is a pick your poison moment. How would I like to die? No, um, but I, but I'm actually going to say, Bryce, I'm going to say Murano convertible because a, they're even more rare. And if we're going to go ridiculous, Let's just go ridiculous. Let you know what? Give me the teal green one and I'll drive it with the top down all week and I will look at people and give them that you know that head nod that kind of yeah head nod. I would just do that at everybody that looked at me. <laughs> I would just it's, I would just embrace it.
1: It's that same head nod that that guy driving the Bombardier three-wheeler gave us. To- you know, when he was driving by blasting Mariah Carey. It's that same head nod. Yes. Like, yeah. Which
0: which which was which was the least badass thing I've ever seen, and yet his head nod was totally, yeah, you know I'm awesome. And totally. I just thought, really? Is that your response to that moment? You're on a three wheeler blasting Mariah Carey in the canyons. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, oh, yes. I don't think the, the, you want to be me head not applies there, but that's why I would so enjoy that in the Murano. Cause I would just give that look <laughs> like, you know, you want this cause of course you don't. It's a teal green Murano convertible, but let's just embrace it and go.
1: It's the best of the worst. It's of all the ugly girls. You're the best. That's <laughs> I can't do the PT cruiser. I have to go to Murano convertible and knowing here's <laughs> what I heard. I heard, I, don't, I can't corroborate this, so if anybody knows, let me know, but I'd heard that Carlos Ghosn, the CEN, former CEO of Renault and Nissan, his wife wanted a convertible SUV and he mm-hmm. essentially built that car to please her so she could have something to drive that fit the car that she wants. And if you're CEO of a giant car company or... Two <laughs>
0: these are things he you can add that
1: yep. built and I'm sure everybody through the entire project was scratching their heads and that's why there was such a limited run and nobody could figure out who bought these. I think it was for his wife so she could have a convertible SUV I like I said, that's what I heard it was the car industry grapevine sort mm-hmm, of thing mm-hmm. and uh, yeah if you're but- if you're the CEO it's good to be king you know what car my wife wants. Let's build yeah, this. Insane. I'm gonna sign you to you know, that design project and you're gonna scratch your eyes yeah. out after you're done. Yeah.
0: yeah, seriously. You're going to you're going to quit your job, throw down the <laughs> throw down the tablet and yeah. be like, I
1: can't do it anymore, man. I can't do it. I've got PTSD. I, I designed the Murano convertible.
0: That's terrible. But you know, actually, we're getting to that time of year where I might see that unicorn again. There is one in Park City. I've seen it. Is it the it more teal one or is it black? Uh, I, it's not teal, but there is a Murano convertible in Park City of all places. I've seen it, and every time I see it, I, I'm i stunned into silence. And silence is hard for me. I'm stunned into <laughs> silence when I see that car.
1: It's going to make an appearance. You know it's coming out. It's going to come out into the sunshine. Hey. Frightening. Frightening. Well, wow. I've got
0: one more I wanted to cover, but what other ones do you have?
1: Oh, Scott's uh, question that just came in about sitting down and watching the first TV episode together no, we didn't. We were actually in California shooting, as we said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it still hasn't really hit us, to be honest. And it's due to you guys yeah. helping us out and supporting our sponsors. And it's it's really a culmination of things. It it hasn't really quite hit me yet, but the amount of uh, positive comments and encouragement that was coming mm-hmm. through on social media all weekend was was a great thing. It was it was actually huge. So thank you. We yeah, hope to continue. Really cool. We hope to do more. And that's, where, that's what we're setting up 2017 to be. So yep. haven't done it yep. yet, but I have it recorded on my own DVR here, and I'm ready to sit down and watch it because you and I need to, need to see. We want to see what the final version comes through and gets shown off as.
0: Well, that's the ridiculous thing. I mean, this is how hardwired I am from all my days at New Line, watching movies over and over so we knew what the final product would be in the theater. Yeah. I've, trust me, I've seen all the episodes. I've seen them a lot. I've seen them more than any <laughs> yeah. human being will ever need to. And yet I still feel this incredible need to sit down and watch it as it played on broadcast, not because I need to see it and not because I'm so narcissistic I must see my own face. Neither of those are true. It's just because I will be the guy that will be like, oh, that frame had a flicker in it. It didn't in my master. How yeah. did that happen? I'll but be that nobody guy. Nobody else would notice. But we need to. No You're right. one Nobody else, else will.
1: will, but I'll do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Very easy to be critical of your own work, let's put it that way. But we got a lot coming
0: this year. I mean, the the whole plan this year is a combination of doing stuff for TV while keeping everything else fed. New YouTube stuff, obviously the podcast, we're gonna still do our adventures. We're trying to keep all of it happening at once, which is a lot to take on, but we're excited, and we're excited that the TV stuff can work its way back to the web. I mean, there's there's so many changes happening, but we can't thank you guys enough for the support. If you haven't rated the podcast yet, we would love for you to, you continue to do that. It continues to keep it in the top 10. All of that helps us forward. I had another question I wanted to cover from Facebook for Miguel here. He said his friend Ben, who wrote in a while back, we did a podcast about Ben, had uh, Focus RS buyer's remorse. Oh,
1: yeah, right, right, right.
0: He traded his car out. Mm. He traded his RS for a Chevy SS. He got it on the all of these must go 20% discount off a brand new Chevy SS. He bought a Chevy SS. He is, by the way, thrilled with it thrilled that he made this choice. I think it's fascinating. No, I'm just... I'm bringing it up not because I like the Chevy SS. I'm bringing it up because I'm fascinated by this transition. You went Yeah, from, from RS, RS to SS, you mean? Exactly. From, you went from a Focus uh, RS, which is yeah. one of the hero cars of the last year to 18 months of the enthusiast culture you had one it wasn't what you hoped it would be you went for a Chevy SS which we and others have talked about being great and culture at large has ignored you're in the Chevy SS you got a great deal on it that's the other thing I love about it. you got a great deal and you think it's awesome I'm thrilled about that the question buried in here is do we think that the SS will hang on to its value like a lease is because they're limited edition I hate to say it Miguel and Ben I do not. Nobody (laughs) bought those cars. Those cars got overlooked. They weren't styled, interestingly enough. They couldn't... uh, Here's the thing. The Elise sold. The Elise was limited edition, and they sold them. They sold them at at cost or above, and they've hung on to their value because it's a a unique car in the market. The SS was mostly ignored. I think, unfortunately, in resale, it'll continue to be ignored. I don't think they're going to hang on to their value, but you got it for 20% off, so victory... Well done. Yes,
1: agreed. It's hard to speculate on any newer car like that, especially a Chevy and the fact that it is a four-door Chevy. It's Mm -hmm. hard to say these cars are going to go up in value just because of the limited edition nature. I mean, there were Isuzu's from the 80s with handling by Lotus that were very limited in nature. We don't hear (laughs) about those cars anymore. So I hate to tell you, I'm with Todd on this one. I don't think it's going to go up, but who cares? you got a great car and you got it for a Agreed. great price yep. and you're happy with it, that's mm-hmm. the best part ever. So Absolutely. absolutely, I, I, I agree. So we'll leave it there and uh, really, really thank you guys again for all the support. If you haven't caught it on DVR yet and you did, watch the first episode. Episode 2 is coming next week. We're looking forward to sharing. And keep writing to us with your questions on the website or everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And in the meantime, Cheers.